Thank you, Nina Simone. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontline, the national movement building show. I'm in studio with Channing Martinez, the co-producer, co-host, co-everything. We do everything together. Uh, We have an interesting, if confused, show a little bit. So let me tell you what's going on. The first thing is this is the last day of a reasonably short fund drive. So for those of you out there who have not given money during the fund drive, you notice we're not moving to premiums. The the station is having a lot of trouble making its money and then dealing with all the premiums, and the premiums cost money for them and blah, blah, blah. So the main premium you're getting is us, me and Channing. Uh, Get us free every Tuesday at 3. How's that? Uh, No commercial interruptions, no boring stuff. So that should be enough. 818-985-5735. So let me tell you what's going on. D'Angelo Jones is in the control room. And the complication now is that we want to get some calls. But if you call in and you're trying to give money and D'Angelo picks up the phone, then you will be interrupted because now you have to go onto a phone line. Your phone, let me start again. If you call 818-985-5735, you go directly to a a robotic, whatever it is, company that will take your contribution, which we really need you to do. If you call up and you're not giving a contribution, D'Angelo picks it up. That's fine. But if you're trying to give a contribution, which is the priority, then he's going to have to ask you to call back. So here's what we'd like you to do. It's an experiment. The problem is I can't check the amount of money, but maybe we can check the light up on the phone. Call 818-985-5735, especially if you want to comment today. We're gonna, we want to go to the phones a lot because we don't have a coherent program today. I have a great article about Franz Fanon and the rationality of revolt. And uh, 
I'm going to read it because it's great. And we're also going to talk a little bit about, thank God that Susan Rice wasn't chosen, and my view that it's very good that Kamala Harris was picked for vice president by Joe Biden under a lot of pressure from black men and women. There was one that just came out yesterday with Van Jones and other signatories that said, Joe Biden, if you do not pick a black woman vice president, you will lose. And there was a very strong threat. We will do almost nothing for you, which was great. So the next day he picked Kamala Harris. Now, we're going to go to the phones, but the first phone is 818-985-5735. Please give money to KPFK. So I want to talk a little bit about Kamala Harris and the elections. Uh, Channing, do you have anything you can talk about? We have a few demands that we're trying to figure out how to raise on the national level in terms of really raising you know, all of this great work around movement for black lives and around uh, George Floyd to the national level to really challenge the Democratic Party. All right. So I've been working on this article that seems to be going on forever. It is an effort to sum up when the great civil rights victories, again, and certainly one of the Black Lives Matter victories, which is the Strategy Center, Labor Community Strategy Center, info at thestrategycenter.org, played a very active role along with and beside and in some way behind Black Lives Matter, Students Deserve, which is very affiliated with Black Lives Matter. We worked in a coalition called Brothers on Cells. We worked closely with the inner city struggle. And we won, thanks to Jackie Goldberg, thanks to uh, Nick Melvoin, thanks to uh, Kelly Gomez. Kelly I was missing up for Hi, Kelly. And especially thanks to board member Monica Garcia, who introduced the motion. We won a cut in the LAUSD, LASPD budget of $25 million out of $70 million, which is a 35% cut. Uh, I wrote that this is going to lead to the layoff of uniformed police, but Channing in my article corrected said, we hope it does, because we don't yet, they have not yet, is that correct, announced? They have not yet uh, announced what will be cut right. and how it will be cut and when it will be cut. So they're going to lay off the pencils, the pens, the floor, the lunch, the overtime, the, the gas in the car, anything. Well, the interesting thing about that is we were looking at LAPD budget. I don't remember when. And their LAPD budget, their copier budget is bigger than the entire budget of the L.A. school police department. Right. <laughs> LA, LAPD has a two- Billion dollar budget, and we think there's more out of the ten billion. So this uh, school board only has seventy million school police, but they sure can cause a lot of pain to black students and Latino students for that seventy million dollars, and that's what we had to stop. So eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Could you please contribute to KPFK at four thirty? We're going to go to the phone lines about, and I'm going to ask you to then line up. Is that making sense? So in the first half hour, even especially who you want to call in, how about contributing first? 818-985-5735. If you call after 3.30, D'Angelo may pick up the phone because we expect to be a, a listener call, 
and you may have to call back, which would not be the end of, end of the world, okay? You get it? So we're trying to figure out some political, economic, and technological stuff. All right, I want to talk about Kamala Harris a little bit, why I'm very excited about it. Now, everything is always the frame, uh, but I'm not going to give you a long frame because we could talk some other time. One, the Democrat Democratic Party is more pro- part of the problem than the solution. We know that. Um, on the other hand, as they say, there's only two parties in this country, and there will be for a very, very long time because it's a rigged game. So, yeah, I know about third parties and everything, but it ain't happening, uh, not at the national level. So you got the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, or just, you know, don't relate to them, which I completely would understand. But that's a lot what the Green Party is. That's what peace and freedom is. They're protest parties. They're, they're okay. They're saying, vote for me because I don't like either of the two candidates, and you want to make a statement. Right now, I'll tell you that uh, Donald Trump is phenomenally dangerous. And we don't use the word fascism often or because you don't throw that word around. But he's doing things that only a fascist would do. But more importantly, he's good at it. He's got more will than the Democratic Party. He's got more commitment to racism than the Democratic Party has to anti-racism. He's got more hatred for Mexicans than the Democratic Party has love for Mexicans. He has more hatred for black folks than the Democratic Party has commitment to black folks. So you got to understand that. All these stupid commentators, uh, I'm sorry, I always go to Rachel Maddow first, my least favorite cheerleader for the Democratic Party, that whole slimy MSNBC group or CNBC. Uh, I, I don't watch them. Then you got CNN, which is sort of soft version of the others. Uh, in every question, they go, uh, and even A.M. Joy, Joy Reid, who I like a lot, she's very soft on the Democratic Party. You know, she just doesn't take them on. Okay, so the point is, I can tell you all the things I don't like about the Democratic Imperialist Party, but I do think this movement needs to defeat Donald Trump. That is my opinion. Now, having said that, I understand what people like about Joe Biden. I mean that. They like that he's white. They like that he's very moderate, that he doesn't stand for a damn thing, that he's sort of Uncle Joe. He's, you know, if you're tired of Trump, you can get a nice old white guy, and he's not going to threaten you, and he's sort of going to do that kind of old boys network, and that's what he's got. We also know he's mentally challenged, and this issue of declining mental capacity is a real thing. I'm challenging it myself. I'm trying to pay attention to it. Luckily, I think I'm doing well. But he's not. So we have to admit that both of them have diminished mental capacity. Joe Biden is like they're trying to uh, protect him, put him out very little. You know, just put him out, say something, Joe, and get, get out of there. He can't answer a question intelligently. He said that any black person who votes for Donald Trump isn't black. Uh, Joe, that's why you're white. Uh, 
every black person who votes for Donald Trump at three in the morning, pulled over by a policeman, is just as black as Malcolm X. You can say, well, I'm for Donald Trump, and if you think that's going to protect a black person at three in the morning. But no white person has any right to tell any black person that they're not black. It's disgusting. I mean it's disgusting. Just today, he announced, uh, I mean, the guy's not well. He announced the first woman, black woman vice president, and he actually said in the quote from KPFK, the reason I like her is she's going to fight for the little guy. <laughs> Joe, look, you don't have to get your gender pronouns all that sophisticated, but you just picked a woman. She's not fighting for the little guy, Joe. She's fighting for at least the little people. You could even say little women, even if you, you know, is it Louisa May Alcott? Whoever it is wouldn't like it. But here's the point, Joe. She's not fighting for the little guy. She's fighting for people. But here's, with all this preface, let me get to my main point. I'm very happy about it. Um, I think Joe Biden is not the intellectual match of Donald Trump. I think Trump is going to eat him up, provoke him. Trump is funny as hell. He's going to tweet him to death. He's clever. He thinks on his feet. He's a businessman. He's a ruthless piece of you-know-what. But if you don't think he's formidable, if you don't understand he's dangerous and good, he beats you. You're still laughing at him. You watch him. <laughs> you see what he said today? Yeah, you're going to put you in the concentration camp where you can really laugh a lot. He's good at what he does. He's a very good fascist, effective fascist. Joe Biden is a terrible candidate, folks. He, he was elected because Obama wanted him. He was elected because I don't think Bernie Sanders was electable, by the way. I don't, in this white settler state. I think you like all this economic populism. You're not going to, if you think that you're going to get all these swing states where Donald Trump says, are you a socialist and Democrat? He says, yes, but I'm a democratic socialist. Who gives a damn? You're a socialist. No, the United States is not going to elect a socialist. And for those of you who believe in Bernie, you know why? Because you don't want to admit you live in a white settler state. You don't want to admit that this is people, they don't want socialism. What they want is hating black people. They want hating Mexicans. They want wars. All this economic populism, why it doesn't work. Oh, why are white people voting against their self-interest? It's not against their self-interest. Their self-interest is to hate black folks. That's what they believe in. So don't tell them what their self-interest is. They know what their self-interest is, which is why they keep voting for these races. So, no, Bernie was not going to win. Biden was the right candidate, in my opinion, because he was going to just be... We just got to keep him alive to January 20th and have him say very, very little. <laughs> I swear to God, they may, if, he, if he dies, they may just sort of prop him up and pretend he's alive until after the election. You know, I was thinking about that. Go. And I'm, I have a bittersweet feeling about that because, number one, the sweet feeling about it is that that would mean that this would be the first black woman president ever in the United States. But the bitter feeling about it is, have we, this, we, I already know this country is terrible, but it would be even worse to say that the only way a black woman can run for presidency is by first becoming the vice president 
and then by default becoming the presidency. It's such a, like, it's like racism on its own automatic workings without anyone even trying to make it do that to some extent. Well, okay, but another way of saying it is that a lot of voters are going to have to understand. They're looking at Joe Biden. They're looking at Kamala Harris. They get what you're saying. Don't think they're not voting for somebody that's in it. If you're a white person and you vote for them, you know there may be a black woman president <laughs> sooner than you think. So if you think that the white voters don't get that, if you think she's going to sneak that black woman into the into the White House, uh, you know. So uh, this is what I think. She's very smart. Look, I can tell you all the things. I, I mean, her. she was not a good attorney general. She was a bad attorney general. I can tell you all. I mean, no, I'm not a big fan. But right now, folks, I'm a Jew. I know what it's like if they're trying to put you in a concentration camp. And she will tear up Donald Trump. She ain't afraid of him. She's smarter than him. Joe is slow. She is fast. She's a woman. She's a black woman. She has fought her way up. She's a prosecutor. She's going to prosecute Donald Trump's ass. She's going to prosecute him when she's finished with her. They'll, they'll say, Joe can't make it tonight, so Kamala's speaking tonight. If they can, they'll bring her into the presidential debate. Okay. They're saying crazy stuff like, she will defeat Mike Pence. Look, a three-year-old could defeat Mike Pence. That's not the point. Okay. You know, The point is, she's not going to debate Mike Pence. You're getting it wrong. She's going to debate Donald Trump. You watch, let me predict. She will be the most visible vice presidential candidate you have ever seen. She will be, in essence, there'll be picture, Barack is up there, Michelle is up there, and Kamala Harris is up there, and, oh, let's bring out Joe for a few minutes. Joe, you want to come out? Okay, hey, here he is. Joe, why don't you sit down for a few minutes, Joe? Great job. Okay. They're going to elect Barack. They're going to elect Michelle. (laughs) And I tell you, you watch if I'm wrong. That's the winning ticket, is Barack, Michelle, Kamala, and, uh, oh, yeah, Joe, the little guy. All right, 818. That itself was worth a contribution, folks. I made that stuff up just for you. 818-985-5735. Call in to give money to KPFK. 818-985-5735. Oh, just a little thing on the fun drive. You know, we've been very good, and I want to thank again Anya and Kevin because they have been pushing us very hard. We don't have premiums, which I like to not have. You're not saying, let me tell you more about the premium. You're trying to sell the premium. Then if they don't like the premium, they don't call in. Just give the money for the show, right? Be voices from the I want to thank Michael Novick, by the way, our friend from... Uh, Michael, um, this is you know, what's the name of your your anti-racist newspaper that's been out only for forty years? What whatever it, what no against the tide right? Oh, turning the tide. Turning it's, the tide too. Change links and turning the tide. Right, Michael, I, I messed it up both times. But the main point is Michael Novick is a great, great anti-racist person in the city. He he's fought for everything forever. And he gave an extra contribution, I know he's on very limited income, to to Voices because he loved the show with our friend Victor Grossman 
from the Gener German Democratic Republic. Uh, that's, again, what our show does. We have a one-hour interview with still a pro-communist communist who swam across the Danube River into Austria and told them, I want to go to the Soviet zone. He's arrested for two weeks to see if he is really who he thinks he is. And he lives his life in East Germany from 1955 to 1970. He lives it now for 30 more years in existing unified Germany. He's on our show at 92 years old. 818-985-5735. The point is that Michael Novick gave an extra contribution just for voices. I'd like you to do the same. Uh, we have a couple of callers on, which is okay. Uh, I'm hoping you're calling 818-985-5735 to contribute. D'Angelo, do we have any indication anybody's called for the contributions? We don't know, right? Okay. that's. But listen, I will know. Mary Reich's going to send me an email and say how well I did or didn't. And I don't want to do bad. I don't like looking bad. Okay, I don't want to feel that these other people got a good number who me and Channing didn't get your money, right? So do it for me. Do it for my insecurity. I don't want to look bad against Sonali Kohatkar. How come she gets more? You know, but she doesn't. The point is, Sonali's great, I'm great, you get it. We actually do very well, by the way. That's the point. When not a lot of people calling in, we actually do pretty well. And when a lot of people calling in, we do pretty well. We hold our own, but I want, take a minute more about money. Anyel and Kevin have a Beyond a thankless job. They're always raising money. They're always hustling money. Just to break even, just to pay the rent. So it matters to them when money comes in. You get it? And it matters how they judge voices. Uh, they've given us a very nice slot. We now like it Tuesday at 3. We've locked in the slot. We like you. You get it. Invest in the show. Is that a fair deal? 818-985-5735. So the first commentary which you got is, and you can comment on this, is if you're interested in a united front to defeat Donald Trump, I believe Kamala Harris is by far the most effective candidate, more than Elizabeth Warren, who I like a lot. That's not the question. If the goal is defeating Trump, number one, black women are going to turn out like crazy. Number two, women. A lot of women are going to vote for her. White women in the suburbs are going to vote for her. She's similar to Obama in a certain way, beyond very attractive, very intelligent, very sharp. And you really want to vote for Mike Pence? You want to vote for Trump? I think it's a great move. I'm excited about it. Let's put that. I really am excited about uh, I'm not, you know, if one would campaign for them, I think the campaign has just been given an enormous boost of energy. And I think you don't understand at this black moment if you don't think the black community is not just going to turn out, of course they're going to turn out, but they're going to go to other states and organize. That's the point. You know what I mean? In other words, uh, like black people in California, it doesn't matter because she's going to win California. We know that. She's going to win New York. We know that. Sorry, this election is about Ohio. It's about Florida, Indiana, New Mexico, Nevada, uh, Ohio. I said Ohio, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's only six, I hate to tell you, virtually there's a certain number of states that are already going red. 
a certain number of states that are already going blue. There's seven or eight or nine up for grabs. That's it, folks. That's how the Electoral College works. I think she's going to energize the ticket. She's going to energize the money. And as they're doing a lot of voter suppression, she's got the fight in her that Joe doesn't have. That's right. You know what I mean? It's going to take a hell of a fight legally, energetically. We need the Obamas to come out because they are stealing these elections, folks. They're saying now mail-in ballots can't be done. They're disenfranchising tens of millions of people. And you don't have to be for the Democrats to know that this election is going to be about voting rights. That's going to be the central underlying question is voting rights. Even who can vote, who's allowed to vote, whose votes count. Oh, my God. And can we even get the president out after he loses? We were, we're, we're talking about that every single day. That I mean, it is the building of fascism. And some of my students are asking me, what's going to happen if Biden gets elected and Trump says he's not going to go? That's right. Which is a real question. And I, my challenge back to them is, have you seen the many documentaries about the presidents over the years in different countries that have just not gone? And then, you know, I did raise... To some, I'm being careful, I did raise the whole issue about Mugabe, who was in his seat for, what, more than 50 years, I think. Um, And as I, President Congo, right? No, Um, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, okay. Okay, I'm getting my histories mixed up. Um, I don't know why he steps down. (laughs) Uh, But the point is, when, right now he has basically the strongest military in the world and he has the most amount of power of any president in the whole world right now. So if he decides that he's going to stay in office, he has the power of, I mean, you've seen what he's done with his own private police now, the National Guard, then he has the Army, then he has the Homeland Security, then he has ICE, which is being nationalized into a police force. And then, by by default, every single police department in the country basically is supportive of him, and they're now having these flags with that blue stupid stripe because they support him by default, even even if he's talking about their own genocide as black police and Latino police. And so, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing is that that I do know some thoughts about it, 818-985-5735. I think the election, I think that the social movements have to be in the streets a lot. This can't be a turnout to vote. This has got to be like one mass demonstration from Labor Day to uh, um, November November 4th, thanks. He he takes power in January 20th to November 4th. Because the white fascists are going to be out. It's not just Trump. There's going to be armed white people with running around trying to stop votes. I am very worried if you're listening to yourself, are you going to stand up to a white mob with guns? I'm not dying to do that. I'm not. I'm willing to. It's the thing. I'm willing to. But I'm not dying to. And I want to know who else has guns. I want to know on our side who's got some guns and how we're going to play that. Um, I want to know, is there going to be massive, aggressive, forget about nonviolent, which is BS. Unarmed is different from nonviolent, but militant, militant in-your-face demonstrations. Uh, I know the Democratic Party is going to tell people, cool it, cool it. 
um, don't piss off the angry white people. Uh, and there's going to be an effort to tell us to stay home. And I think that's wrong. I think that the election is going to be won in the streets. The second thing is, Jenny, that I do think the U.S. Army will side with the election because that's capitalism needs an orderly election. The Army is not going to... Uh, they can't afford this. If, if Trump wins and stays in office, you, 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 now you're talking about a revolution that has to happen. See, I mean, so... Uh, but I will say one thing. Al Gore won the election against George W. Bush, and he gave up the election within three hours. He conceded the election before the, the vote in Florida. What a loser. Trump, to give him credit again, it's going to take a crowbar and a tank and everything else to get him out of office. He will scream and yell. That's what I respect about him. I'm sorry, you respect your adversary. I don't respect the Democratic Party. I don't. I don't. I, they scare me. I don't think they have the will to get him out. So that's what I say. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think to back that up, to add on what you're saying, I think they need to – there's one, the, the whole issue of the street heat. But then on the flip side, inside of the offices, the Democratic Party – like in the ending of your article that's coming out next week, this great article about uh, the black-led defund the police movement wins a great victory in Los Angeles. Uh, there's great demands that you raise. I think the Democratic Party has to start now, even before they get into office, to even prove that they can take on the task that's before them. Because right now, I mean, there's there's trying to be, watch my language. There's, there's bullcrap law cases here and there, but they're not doing anything, really. I mean, the Civil Rights Act was basically rendered uh, uh, pointless and, and unenforceable, and the Democrats haven't done anything since Obama. They're complaining about Trump, but you let that happen during Obama, and you haven't fixed it, right, as an example. The Voting Rights Act is basically rendered null and void, and they haven't done anything for the last eight eight plus years. Um, and so, the the issue that the thing the thing that Trump did really great with this run is before he even got into office, he was already moving pieces. Even in his speeches, whether he was talking to politicians, he was already moving pieces. Right. In the meantime, the Democrats weren't moving anything. In fact, they were just making fun of him while and basically letting him move all of his pieces. Um, and the only way that they're going to win this time around is if they start right now moving pieces, like real pieces of legislation. The voice you're hearing is Jenny Martinez. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. This show is going to be up on our website by Thursday. Uh, you're going to go on voicesfromthefrontlines.com. Uh, every time I go up there, you know, I, I don't see our own site enough, which is stupid. Uh, the other day I listened to the, I, I had it on a podcast, I listened to the Victor Grossman interview, conversation. It was, you know, the problem with being a host is, you're present, you're listening, you're absolutely listening, but you don't remember everything because you were in the conversation and you're trying to move the conversation. I was amazed how great the conversation was. 
You can get that conversation on our website, uh, VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. And uh, beautifully designed. You have a lead. The lead show is on the front. You click on it. It'll help you register. Go on it and register from VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. Then you get the weekly email that Channing and I put out. You look at the lead article. Then you scroll down. There's the next two articles, the next two shows, rather. And you click on them, and there you listen. It's pretty. I mean, it's, I'm so thrilled because I can do this. This is my type of technology. You scroll down two more. Those are the next two shows, the, the past two. I'm struck by, and I forget, Channing, how many great shows we do. I mean, when I go on the line, I go, oh, I forgot we did that show. I forgot. So thank you, uh, Channing, for everything you do. Uh, thank Kiana Williams for helping us with the transcription of the show. Uh, if we get any calls now, 818-985-5735, talk to me a little bit about Kamala Harris and the Democrats. We have about a 10-minute win window for calls. I'm going to start reading this article. Is that okay? Oh, oh you want to? Let don't me, you talk about some of the demands at the end? Yeah, that's what I was going to end sorry, up. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Let me end. Back to Shannon Martinez. End with four demands. And it would be interesting to hear some of your demands to raise to the national level as well. But here are four demands that we're going to be releasing this article next week to read in detail. So number one, how do we bring the fight to defund the police and a whole set of black liberation demands to the federal government, specifically around policing and police abuse, and not just, you know, Kamala just uh, co-signed on this bill to stop chokeholds, but we're not talking about that. We're talking literally about cutting their budget and cutting federal funding. So that's number one. Number two, uh, preventing ICE and other federal federal enforcement interventions and other programs like the 1033 program and um, the COPS program and uh, even, you know, trying to reform the 1994 uh, crime bill as a second one, all right? Uh, number three, quadru quadruple the funding for the uh, Department of Justice Civil Rights Department um, and reinitiate the 19... Uh, 64 Civil Rights Act and bring back all of its teeth. Um, and number four, which is one that we've been talking about for a long time, is to re really reverse the Sandoval, Sandoval versus Alabama decision, which basically said that private parties cannot sue for Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. Part That was part one. And then the part two is that then they rendered out, uh, what is it called, disparate? disparate impact, then they rendered out disparate impact as a real legalized, you know, argument that you can rule in court. So those are four demands, I think, that we're thinking about for the national conversation. Explain what it means that they made, they, they no longer allowed so-called private parties to bring civil rights to, and the, and the second thing about disparate impacts, you know, how, what do you understand about so it? The first, so what I understand about it is now when you have a case for discrimination, it has to be brought by the attorney, U.S. Attorney General. Um, and depending on what your case is, then you, you basically bring it to that relevant part uh, department. So we've always brought it to the Department of Transportation, right. who then makes a recommendation to the attorney general that they, he, or she should bring this case to the Supreme Court. 
Not quite. Is okay. that right? No, that's all good. Right. No, I mean, you're talking about my understanding is, first of all, every single department has a civil rights department. So, for instance, the, in the Department of Transportation, they have their own civil rights department. That's where you bring the case. There's a civil rights case uh, department in the um, uh, Department of Education. So you bring, if you, if you were discriminating, you know, that's right. So the first thing you said is they exist inside anybody who gives you federal money. But the first thing is that the Justice Department is the main place that gives the money. Right. Let alone, right. you know, they do more to give money to cops than to fight for civil rights, right? Uh, so that's just the first thing. And, and uh, you know, I realize I don't know the law well enough to know if they, I think they just have the right. Oh, I remember, wait, no. You file a case in front of the Civil Rights Department and they can rule. In other words, it's a legal... First, what they do, just bear with us, folks, 818-985-5735. trying to get my own memory. You file a complaint with the Department of, uh, of De Transportation saying they were racist. Their Civil Rights Department either can accept or reject the complaint. Right. In our case, they accepted it every time. It was so good. Then, if they accept the complaint, it, be it becomes like a court case. Mm -hmm. And your lawyers file the case in front of them and so does the MTA defending it. If they win, if we win, they have the right to right then say, you're not getting the federal money. That's it. Uh, not putting you in jail, but I've been convinced that under Title VI, I cannot give money to any government agency that discriminates based on race. They can cut the money off. The reality is they never have. No. They never have because... They'll get everybody pissed off at them, you know, and people say, how come you took the money away from my schools? How can because you're racist? Okay. But the main point you're saying, Channing, which is the point, is we want our listeners to understand there were civil rights acts that were very strong. There were voting rights acts that were very strong. And as Channing said, they've been gutted. Notice that neither Kamala Harris or Joe Biden even telling you all the civil rights you lost. They're not even saying, if I'm elected, I'm going to toughen up the Civil Rights Act. All those things Channing just said. That's what we want the movement to push for. And also, the movement's even though, did you even know you don't have a Civil Rights Act or you have a very weakened one? 818-985-5735. If you'd like to talk to us in the next 20 minutes about Kamala Harris, about the four demands, cutting off federal money, uh, can you say the four again? So one is cutting off uh, any federal money for police, which Joe Biden can do, right? Yes. What's the second? I forgot. The second one is an extension of that, which is preventing ICE. I forgot to say the FBI um, and federal enforcement and interventions um, altogether. Period. And ending the 1033 program, the COPS program, and changing the 1994 crime bill. Okay. That's two. That's a lot. Number right. two. Okay. Uh, number three is quadruple funding for the Department of Justice Civil Rights Department. Got it. Uh, and then number four is to reverse the Sandoval versus Alabama court case. That's great. And thanks, Jenny. That's, that's, I'm serious. I wrote it and I don't have it integrated yet. You know what I mean? Uh, for those of you listening out there, I hope you're out there, 818-985-5735, did you know 
that the Labor Community Strategy Center and the Bus Riders Union used Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to sue the Los Angeles MTA in 1996. Did you know that we won what's called a preliminary uh, restraining order, a temporary restraining order against the MTA, which means they could not raise the fares. The federal government, that's an example of when they want to have power. MTA raised the fares, and the federal judge Harris said, no, you can't. Why not? Because I am so worried about the disparate impact, number one, and the uh, there's another term they used, um, irreparable harm it's going to cause to you all. MTA, you don't need this money. You take away the, the bus pass, it's going to hurt people terribly. Given that balance of power, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm restraining you from raising the fare. 818-985-5735. Nobody had done that. We thank Connie Rice and the, Le- the uh, NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Bill Landley and Connie were the two attorneys who really took the case. 818-985-5735. We went into court. We won. And Judge Haddock kept stretching out the case. And he said to the MTA, if I were you, I, I'd negotiate with the strategy center. He said to the strategy center, if I were you, I would negotiate with the MTA. He forced us to negotiate, basically. And out of that came a 10-year consent decree, an amazing document in which the strategy center and the bus riders union on one side and the MTA on the other had to agree on all these improvements in this contract. And if we didn't get them, we can go back to federal court, and the federal court would order them to do it, which they did. If they didn't do the order, then it could be held in contempt of court. So that's when you have legal power. So the Sandoval case was actually in 2001 against the Strategy Center case. They were waiting for such a case because they wanted to reverse not just us, but we were one of the biggest victories under Title VI. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, Tony in L.A., whatever you have to say, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so I just heard the news about Biden and Kamala Harris, and I'm, and I'm wondering, um, is this kind of—I'm not sure what your topic is because I, I just came out of Doesn't my matter. and turned the car off as soon as you guys came on. So, so I hope this is kind of relevant. Um, what I think now. Um, so I heard Biden selected Kamala Harris. Right. I guess that's great. I don't know. But I think it's just kind of to appease. Biden is just appeasing, you know, the minorities. And and I guess that's okay. But, again, it's just because of all the pressure and all the bail and, 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 the, and the defunding the police movement and all this sort of, not to be mean, all this bad stuff that's happening. They're appeasing in lieu of, in lieu of um in lieu of um, uh, providing, you know, real agendas or real, you know, what are you guys going to sell? What are they going to sell to us in November? Anyway, go ahead, please. Thank you. No, Tony, stay on the line. Are you still there? Yes. All right. Tell me more. Do you support, I'm just asking to be clear on something you say. Do you support the yes. Black Lives Matter movement? I'm just trying to understand. I, I do not. Okay, good. Not the movement. Not the movement. Let people... Black lives, of course, not the movement. So if you say that he's appeasing them, right, um, yeah. what are you saying is bad about that? 
Um, because, and you know, I've just been not following, but I've just I've just been seeing what's on TV, right? That's okay. Go ahead. So, and it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's mostly the Democrats doing this. That um, for one, well, let me see. I'm kind of mixed up now. Take so, your time. Take, just think out. Just think it out loud. You're not in a hurry. Yeah, you know, I've just been walking uphill too, though. So, um, with everything that's happening, it seems like okay. Okay, sorry, minorities or black people. We'll give you what you want. Again, I'm speaking as you know, Democrats are saying this. Yes, black people, we'll give you what you guys want. You want to defund the police? We'll give it to you. Um, whatever's happening in, in Seattle, yeah, we support that too. We don't want, you know, we, we want cops to go down or whatever. Um, you know, all this sort of stuff that's like not really providing or, or, or giving real agenda to the American people, to everybody. Okay, the Tony, country. thank you. All right, I, I want to make sure you had enough time to... Is that okay? Oh, now I'm going to respond to you. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks. Um, I mean, the reason... I mean, it, sh- it should be obvious that I don't agree, but it's important what he was trying to say because I appreciate people calling voices to say something different from what you think we think. And, I, Tony, I want to tell you, you're welcome on the show. That's you know, why you're here. But here's a couple of things. I mean, uh, the Democratic Party could not appease black people enough if it worked 24-7. Nobody can. The the crimes that were committed and are committed can never be paid back. All the reparations in the world cannot repair the crimes that have been committed. So right now, you know, one example I give is in 1964, I was with CORE, Congress for Racial Equality. We said the prison system was so racist, it's racist, get our people out of prison. There were 200,000 people in prison in the entire United States, which we thought was just unbelievable. Of them, you know, we usually have the number, which is, it looks like, if you, and I'm doing some work with mathematicians, seriously, what is a 300% difference? It's, it's astronomical. So if black people would be 10% of the population, they'd be 30% of the prison population. That's not even double. That's triple. It's quadruple. You get it. So, but, yeah. but listen, today there's 2.2 million people in prison and almost a million yeah. are black. So yeah. these crimes, this is crimes. There's now 200,000 women in prison. So... The Democratic Party is doing very little. I wish they were appeasing them more. The Democratic Party has not cut the police budget in I L.A. You. Yes. You know, uh, the yes. L.A. budget is $2 million, $2 billion. Mayor Garcetti said, all right, all right, I'll, I'll cut $100 million. But that was money he wanted to add to the police. So let me ask you this, Tony, two things, um, since you're on anyway. Seriously, um, do you think the government has some responsibility to repair the harms they've done to black and Latino people? Um, I don't know how to answer that. Um, you know, besides, like, the history that we know, I mean, I mean, yes or no. I mean, not yes or no. I mean, you know, what does that mean, the government, right? What, like, what does that mean? Does it mean Joe Biden? Does it mean Bill Clinton? I mean, the government is like the people. The government is like, it's not the people, but 
but all right, t- Tony. I, I'm gonna Tony. I'm gonna let you go now. Okay, why don't you just go off air and you'll still listen? Is that okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. No, really, gave you a chance. Um, the reason this is important is because it just shows you how amazing it is when we, we win anything. You know, I mean, he's saying the government is pacifying black people. Government not doing anything for black people. We are heartbroken that we're trying to protect black children in the school district. There's 750,000, no, 650,000 students in the OA district. 8% are black, only 8%. Once it was 25%. We're down to 50,000 black students who are spread. There's almost no black majority schools. Even on the black schools, they're 35%, 45% black. And maybe there's a few, you know, 55% black. Then you have black students now spread all over the place because they can't stay in South Central. So some of them are not even in schools with 8% black or 10%. So they're all spread out with no social cohesion. All the more reason that we're fighting to stop genocide against the black nation. And it is a genocide when you take 700,000 people who are black in 1970 and you end up, no, 750,000, and you end up with 350,000 black people. Where did the 400,000 people go? Uh, 818-985-5735. So let me say one more thing. I think the Democratic Party does want to appoint Kamala Harris to pacify black people. Even though he was not coming from a good place, in my opinion, Tony. Yes, I think that's the point. You got that, just like you got Obama. Let it go now. Well, that's awful. I mean, if the movement is not going to push beyond Kamala Harris, if the black community is not going to push, it's going to contribute to the genocide. That's right. And I think we, I think that the, that's why I think the movement for black lives, Black Lives Matter International, Black Lives LA, uh, Black Lives Matter LA, the students deserve strategy center. We're the key to whether or not there's any hope. As, it, as it's always been in history. Whenever the system has given you a little bit, the movement has always pushed forward. Um, in that film, uh, I can't remember that film. Um, nonetheless, and I'll, I'll remember the film, they talked about there's a document that said that we have the right to this land. And then they created a whole campaign around the right to that land and then challenged them in uh, in in... Colorado, right? Um, symbols of resistance, sorry. Right. Um, and so it's always been the movement's job to take that little piece and then bust the door open as they've done in this fight, right? I have a Freddie in LA. Uh, D'Angelo, how many minutes we got? Four? Four, I figured. Hey, Freddie in LA, what's happening? Hey there, uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, I just wanted to say that um, if people really feel that they need to, you know, vote for Biden and, you know, and Camilla because we're, we're facing an existential crisis, I get it. But I think we need to take this opportunity to really um, not forget who these people are. Uh, I don't know if people have done their homework and looked at, you know, Camilla Harris's record. Um, if she were as old as Biden, it'd probably be as bad. Um, I think we know, and, and if people don't know, you know, we don't have time right now, but... It, they can easily access her record 
um, as a district attorney and as attorney general of the state of California. She's one of the most anti-black black people around. She incarcerated uh, so many people. She thought it was a big joke uh, to, um, to threaten uh, black mothers, poor mothers, uh, if their children were truant. And I think that, um, you know, people need to do what they got to do to get Trump out of there. But um, this is not going to be a pro-black administration. Uh, both of those people have a long history, a very long history, of being anti-black, anti-worker, anti-poor people, anti-immigrant, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is an opportunity that we shouldn't lose to really study who these people are, because um, it's not going to be pretty, and I don't want people to go to sleep, uh, you know, when, when hopefully when Trump is out. And I do recommend that people check out sites like Black Agenda Report, um, which is a black socialist website, um, as well as sites like The Gray Zone, um, to get you know information. And again, there's so much information. Oh, the Jimmy Dore Show as well. Um, in terms of uh, you know people like Camilla and Biden's record. Uh, anyway, there it is. I just think they're horrible. And if people are going to say vote for them, I think really uh, people need to be honest. And, and say how horrible they are, that this is a very bitter medicine that people are swallowing, and not just, yay, yay, we got a black person as a, as a running mate. Um, okay, and plus Joe thank, thank you. I want to make sure I have the last couple words. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a different political line, Freddie. I mean, we, if you listen to this show, we've, we know what's wrong with Kamala Harris. We don't have to prove. We don't agree with Black Agenda Report. Black Agenda Report hates the Democratic Party, hates the Congressional Black Caucus, hates everything. That's their strength. That's their weakness. We don't agree with that. You don't really mean that. You don't care for one minute about defeating Donald Trump. You want to use your time here to tell us what's wrong with Biden. You don't think we know that? You don't think if you listen to the show, you don't even read what we just said? We know. We heard the thing about Kamala Harris laughing. But, Freddie, I'll ask you this, you know, how many people are you turning out in the community? How many do you care about defeating Donald Trump, really? What are you going to do? You don't really plan to help defeat Donald Trump. You're just saying that as a throwaway line. And that's what we call the ultra-left. And the ultra-left can never, ever work in the real world with real people who have real limitations because you got it all figured out, Freddie. You got everything wrong that she did that you know better than her. We know that. But you don't really care about defeating Trump because you didn't even give it one second. If I were in a swing state... Wait, wait, excuse me, sir. Uh, we're getting the last word. Thanks. Jenny? Uh, I think that's right. I did not expect that. <laughs> I thought that was a beautiful response. Um, yeah, w Voices from the Frontlines has been talking about this since before the March primary, and we went into detail about every single candidate, Kamala Harris, Biden, uh, and uh, and Hillary, right, um, and every candidate. So we know exactly what they're worth for. But, you know, we can talk all day about what's wrong with them, but we really do have to talk about how do we really beat Trump and how do you go into detail about doing that? All right, everybody. Thank you, D'Angelo. Really appreciate your help. Thank you, Channing. And thank you for calling in. You're allowed to have your opinion. That's why it's called Voices from the front lines. You take care of yourself. See you next week. You're on KPFK 90.7 FM. Thank you, Nina Simone. And every highway and more, much more than this.